I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. Today's going to be fun. Because we are the two real people sharing real-life experiences (laughs) and how we're just trying to live our best lives. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be a fun segment. We've talked about this on several of the different episodes. We should do an episode on developing a relationship with our dead husbands. Which only if you have a dead husband can you say it like that. Because So if you're listening and you don't have a deceased spouse, please know that there is kind of this widow humor. I, my, even my 16-year-old daughter, she has it. She'll say something about her dead dad. And people who are listening give you these big eyes. But sometimes humor is really just a coping mechanism. So please don't take any disrespect yeah, no, as we no, talk about all. that. And in fact, I think this conversation will prove... Um, that there is absolutely no disrespect toward the deceased, but actually a great reverence. And I think both of us still feel a great connection. Absolutely. And that's what we want to talk about today. I've got new stories to share with you. All right. Michelle is going to kick us off with some stories and we'll just kind of see where this goes. But to our listeners, uh, we're, we're talking about the idea of developing, not just maintaining, but even mm-hmm. developing and improving a relationship with a loved one that you have lost. For me and Michelle, it's a it's a spouse. Um, I If we get into it, I could talk about how losing my spouse has actually helped my relationship and, and my thought process about having lost my father as a 10-year-old little girl. Um, so I think this is going to be really interesting. Our beliefs will play into this, mm-hmm. our perceptions of life. There are just our own. We're not right. pretending to be psychics no. or psychologists or anything. These are, again, what we try to make this show about real people with real life experiences and how these experiences with those we have lost have helped us keep going after we've lost them. So, Michelle, start us out. Yeah. So... When John was on his last couple months, he, he's like, I just don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you. And I'm like, oh, babe, uh, like, it's going to be okay because, you know, we're so close. Definitely, we're going to be able to, to still connect with each other, you know, even if you're gone, even if you're not here. And I'm sure some of that is, like you said, our belief system, right? Sure. I was raised missionary Baptist. Um, very different come from from the LDS faith. And then I converted to the LDS faith. I was very active and engaged for 26 years. And then um, a couple years before John was diagnosed and got sick, um, I, I was a little bit more inactive and then just decided that organized religion in and of itself is just not my bag. <laughs> and um, part of that is my own uh, struggles with perfectionism and how that can be toxic in the LDS environment. But um, that's a conversation for another day. Right. That's that's an entire another thing, yeah. right? So um I don't have any bad thoughts or feelings towards sure. I joined the LDS church and I also left it. It's like I didn't have anyone forcing me in either direction. 
I didn't feel like brought into it or, you know, it was a choice I made both both directions. And so I have no ill will or bad feelings towards it at all. And it it was a good thing for me. It it was a grounding uh, thing for me. But when my husband died, I had had some experiences where um, I used to do massage and I used to do a lot of like energy type work. And so and my work as a midwife, a very intuitive and also felt very much connected to other spirits or beings from the other side. And I used to not talk about this publicly because I thought I was unique and I'm finding I'm less unique. Yeah. Um, that, that other people have these experiences as well. And so I, I thought that I was kind of unique and I didn't really talk about them a lot, but I, I would feel that the, these intuitive um, connections with beings or spirits or whatever you want to call them. And they've really helped me in my life and in, in my life direction and, and in a lot of things. So when John was saying this to me, I thought, well, of course, you, you know, I'm just going to, we're going to continue to have this relationship. And I thought it would be easy. Hmm. I thought it would be easy to have that connection as if like the moment he crossed over, we would still be able to talk as if he was just Mm -hmm. right here, which I do talk to him in that way. In fact, last night I had a long conversation with him. Um, But when he first passed over, I did not feel him talking back. I thought that I would be able to really hear him. Yeah. Really well. You had a couple of years knowing yeah. his death was coming yeah. to kind of prepare and and anticipate that. <laughs> yes, and because I had that, I had convinced myself that this, I would not have, false understanding. I have yeah. I had a false understanding about what death was, and um and I, I was just shocked by it. Anyway, time goes on. A lot a lot of things happen in that first year. I end up moving into a new home. And um, because I did everything wrong, I built a brand new home for myself as soon as my husband died, which, you know, they Michelle say. Michelle has broken all of the grief <laughs> yeah, rules. I don't so. follow any rules. That is the way but I live my life. have you met Michelle? Yeah. I mean, nobody's surprised. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I live my life. I don't I don't follow the rules. I, I make my own as I go. Anyway, I'm in my closet and I was having this moment where I, I realized, and I had not spoken out loud to him for quite some time because I'd kind of given up on it, really. And, um, and I'm in my closet and I'm having this conversation. I pour out my heart of several concerns that I have about our family and our children and relationships and all kinds of things. And my sister-in-law, four months later, goes to a psychic out in California. She goes for a completely different reason, has nothing to do with my husband at all. And she calls me up and she goes, you need to sit down. You need a pen and paper. I need, I need to share with you something. She starts sharing with me these items. And literally he answered everything I brought up in that conversation in order from beginning to end. That my, I had four basic concerns and I won't go into that. It's irrelevant. But he answered every single one. She finishes talking. And I go, okay, all right. All right, this was John. He heard me. He heard exactly all my concerns. That was amazing to me. And so it, I, I told my children about it. Some of them believe. Some of them don't. Some of them think I'm nuts. Some of them think you're crazy. Yeah, which I'm used to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's just... Again, no surprises. No surprises. And um, so 
I'm like, wow, that that's so cool. So then I start talking to him, and I've had several instances since then. One of them, I was laying in bed, pouring my eyes out. It was one of those dark grief moments, which I know you've had. Mm-hmm. We've Absolutely. talked about them. Yeah. Laying in bed, crying my heart out, just wanting him there so badly. And I turned to his side of the bed, and I opened my eyes, and I could see him laying there next to me. Wow. And I knew if I reached out and touched him, he would just vanish into nothing. But I sat there, and I, I got to really talk to him. He never talked to me, like, physically like him. But I could see his facial expressions change as the things that I would talk about. And I could know, I had a sense of, like, what he would be telling me about those things. And it was profound, and it was such a healing moment for me. Hmm. And so I've really gotten to the point where I realized he's not gone. He's still here. He's still taking care of me. His concerns are still the concerns he had before he left. They're still his concerns today. Here's my most recent one. Are you ready for this? Are we ready for this? Michelle, we're never ready for what you say next, but let's say (laughs) it. So I'm in Belize. I'm getting my third massage. Because I go on vacation, I try to, you know, really spoil myself when I go. I'm getting my third massage while I'm there. And I went with 15 of my closest friends. (laughs) They're very close to me now because uh, the first massage I had was out on a pier. And it was quite windy that day. (laughs) And the sheet kind of went sailing for a minute. Um, The next two, uh, I chose not to opt for the pier. Yeah. No, actually... They're all outside. Oh. So we're still outside, but we're we're in a little more enclosed area. And um, I could hear my friends around. They were still taking pictures and being silly. But a few minutes goes, goes by, and I'm starting to fall into a deep sleep. And suddenly I feel a large man's hand on my back, really pressing down hard on me. And I'm thinking, okay, who is this? So I reach out my arm to like grab where I think he would be standing. And I, I'm, I'm doing this uh, pulling in motion. <laughs> and the massage therapist says, lady, you all right? <laughs> like, she's like, what is she doing? Because there was no one there. There was no one there, evidently. And, um, and I said, yeah, I'm just, I was trying to, to shoo away my friend. They're, they're just being f- silly. Just don't worry about them. And she takes her hands off me and she steps away from the table and she goes, there is nobody here. Hmm. And so I go, oh, I lift my head up. There's no one there. So we start again and it happens again. And I'm thinking, okay, now she's in on it. And so I lift my hand in front of my head to try to like, you know, knock this person out of their way. And she goes, lady, no one's there. Hmm. And I look up again, no one's there. So anyways, I'm telling one of the the ladies that I went on this trip with this experience. They're like, that was John. It was John. And, you know, I didn't have the innate sense at that time that it was John. But as she was telling me that, I'm thinking, well, it kind of had to be. I mean, it. there was nobody there. And it, it was such a distinct, warm, I could feel the heat. I thought for sure somebody was there. Person, huh? It's a real person. And it was just like this comforting, just pressure on my, my left or right shoulder. So I, anyways, that was pretty cool experience. And then the other experience I had is we were uh, rafting down the jungle 
in the middle of the Jaguar Preserve on, on this river. And it was beautiful. And I was out by myself and um, kind of in front of everyone. And uh, a dragonfly, this like looked like to me would be like an old dragonfly. I've never seen one like this. It was all black, black lacy wings and black body. It was beautiful. And I see dragonflies a lot. Like that is one of the ways that John has shown up to me several times. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Just such a cool experience, you know? So it's those little things. It's those little, I think sometimes we miss them, right? Yeah. So this is, it's interesting, you know, I think of this relationship I have with my husband, my belief system, my own faith. I would say I know for a fact um, Brent still exists mm-hmm. in, in a different state, in a different sphere. I joke that I lived half of my marriage with him living across the world, and now I'm living a good chunk of the rest of my life with him across the veil, which to me is kind of that separation between life and death. Um I will say that what shocked me the most when he died was realizing how close for me that other side is. You know, I've grown up with the same faith my entire life and believing that people exist after death and that there's life after death and that there's a spirit world somewhere. And I've always known it was somewhere. But, um, you know, since losing Brent, particularly in those first few days where everything's so raw and so fresh, Mm -hmm. I almost felt like, oh, it, it's right here. It is. Oh, here. it's here. Yeah, it's and here. And then I start to watch. I start yeah. to watch movies like, like Loki, or you watch things about time travel, or you watch things about different dimensions. Even the dumb little Spidey verse. If you saw that version of Spider Man, I'm like, that is here. it. Yeah, all of these here. science fictiony kinds of things. And I tell my kids that, and they think I am crazy. I tell them. All of these cool science fiction things are so close to what we believe is God's reality. You know, in our home, we, we call it, I call it God's reality, that, that time and space and distant location doesn't work eternally the way we think it does in mortality. And so right. for me, it's, you know, and I, I, I've had some experiences where I felt Brent near or, or felt like I know what he would say in a given situation or what he might do, um, I I feel like I can talk to God either mm-hmm. with words or in my mind. I feel like I'm learning to talk to Brent either with words or in my mind. But a couple of really cool things that I, I would like to share um, about these last, it's almost been three years now since we lost him. Just the fact that I feel our marriage is stronger mm-hmm. and our relationship is closer. And that to me has been a beautiful thing because, you know, the big, the big tragedy, of course, is losing that marriage. And... And feeling as if that that other half of you is gone, and it's not like the left half or the right half, but it's half of every cell in my being is is not here. And and so to find that I really have this reassurance, he does still exist, and he is still mindful of us. Like you said, he still worries about the same things I worry about, and he still cares for our children and and things. But for me, what's been really incredible is to have some of the experiences I have had in the last couple of years that let me see life through his lens. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, anybody who's known me longer than just since I've been Jenny Taylor, the the widow, um, you know, we, Brent and I had a really high energy, high dynamic marriage and family life. Like we don't sit still well, neither one of us. Um, We've always both been very motivated. We're, We're doers, we're ambitious. We're running a million miles an hour always. 
And so we we got married. Four months later after we got married, he left to boot camp. He was gone for a year. He came home for a while. He was gone for a year. He deployed. He ran for office. He was getting a master's and then a Ph.D., I had my bachelor's and my master's. I taught school for a while. Then I gave birth seven times. I mean, there was always a lot going on. And there were times where I'll admit, you know, the frustrations of day-to-day living with someone else or the frustrations of feeling like, what am I doing with all these kids? And I don't know how to raise a baby and I can't keep the house clean. And, and some of the things that were maybe my role, and it was it was very consciously chosen. And I know some people would disagree with it and that's fine. Brent and I very openly chose and discussed often about our traditional mm-hmm. roles that that he would be the breadwinner the provider for our family and that I would be the primary caregiver of our children and our home and it wasn't anything sexist or anything oppressive it's what we chose and it's what worked for us but I'll admit that there is a lot of frustration in in the stay-at-home mom life particularly for someone that's driven and ambitious and I don't sit still well and and it's been really neat as I've now had these crazy experiences to be involved with the army or crazy experiences to be involved in some political circles or given opportunities to interact with the media or do all some your public speaking, speaking engagement, all the yeah. things Brent mm-hmm. used to do. Mm-hmm. And I now see the world through his vantage point in a way I don't think I could have while he was still alive. And it's really made me love and appreciate him even more mm-hmm. because it's easy when you're in your role. Now, whether you're working for a living or working for service or whatever you're doing day to day, it's easy to know how hard you work mm-hmm. and how hard it is. And it's easy to look at the other person or the other people and say, oh, they just don't get it. They'll never understand or they don't appreciate. And I found myself in the 15 years Brent and I were able to live on the same side of the veil. I I would sometimes feel that way. Like, oh, he just doesn't know or he doesn't understand or I don't feel appreciated. I think women in general, we feel Mm -hmm. that way sometimes. And now I feel like I've been able to see the world in which he lived and the sense of purpose that drove him. And the important work he was doing for our community or for our military or for my hometown And I've realized that didn't take away from his care and concern for our family or for me and our marriage or for our children. It was all part of it. And so I've had kind of this aha moment of realizing how holistic Brent was in his approach to life, that he really was motivated by trying to just make the world a better place at home, at work, in Afghanistan, at the North Ogden City Hall building wherever he was. And so those to me have been kind of some quiet, um, almost reprimanding moments in mm-hmm. my in my life where I found myself thinking, oh, I, I never saw it like that or I never appreciated that. And because of that, I do feel closer to him. I, I remember one of my biggest fears, one of my biggest fears when Brent first died was that we'd be separated for so long. You know, we were only married 15 years. That's like five minutes. I mean, it's it's so fast. And I'm probably going to live like 50 or 60 more years. And I'm going to be 100 when I finally die. And I know I'm going to learn. And I'm going to grow. And I'm going to change. Mm -hmm. And when I'm 98 or however old I am, I'm not going to be the same 39-year-old I was when he died. Or the 38-year-old I was when he deployed for that last time. And that made me very sad. Because I was thinking... I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to change. Will we even know each other? Mm-hmm. Will we even recognize each other? Because I'm convinced we'll see each other again. That's not been my fear at all. I'm 100% positive he's going to be waiting for me to give me a ride from wherever that veil is. Um, 
I found myself really worried that I wouldn't, we wouldn't know each other anymore because of the time that separates us. And now I feel such a peaceful reassurance that we're both still learning and growing and we can grow closer to each other. For me, as I grow closer to my faith and my God, I know Brent where he is, is, is continuing to learn and to progress. Obviously, we're bound together by these beautiful seven children that we both just hope and pray will have happy, fulfilling, successful lives. And I, I find myself at great peace that even though I am learning and growing and changing, I feel like I'm becoming more of an us. I, and that's kind of weird to people on the outside. I, I'm not saying I am Brent. I'm not saying I've inherited him or anything like that. But I'm no longer just who I was when he died. I'm not who I was when I met him for sure. He's now such a part of me. Mm-hmm. And so as I grow and as I change and as I hopefully learn and progress for the next billion years of mortality, I realize I'll, we'll still know each other. We'll still be very connected because we're connected in that growth. And that's something that... If particularly for a new widow or someone that's newly facing this grief, just the reassurance that you can still grow together. Um, you have to work for it. Like you said, it, it's not like they just hang out all the time. Um, there's times I'll feel Brent near or I'll be frustrated and wonder, why aren't you here to help me with this or something? And and maybe a funny thought will come in my mind, like just something to kind of relax some of the pressure and the tension. Or I can't tell you how many times I've turned on the radio. And a song comes on in the car, and I'm like, those words could be straight out of Brent's mouth, but they're set yeah. to a pink song or something, you know? Yeah. So I just, to me, it's been a beautiful journey, as heartaching as it is. And, and there's still those really, really dark, sad moments where I just say, forget this great eternal connection. I want you here now. But it's been a great journey to realize that my husband is such a part of me. That of course he's a part of me moving forward. Mm-hmm. I hope my children, as they grow, will feel that too. That they can feel a connection to him, not held back by his death and his, and the grief, but that they'll be able to say, "Hey, there's a part of him alive in me. There's a part of his quirks or his memory or his experiences that I take forward." So I'm not afraid of moving forward. I'm not moving on and leaving him in the past. Like, guess what? He's going with me every step of the way, Absolutely. and that's been that's been very peaceful for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Well, we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this little segment. We're going to talk about not only expanding our our relationships with our partners, but what moving forward really looks like for us. We'll be right back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. been talking about expanding that relationship with our former spouses, even though they've passed on into another existence. I think it's really interesting. I think 
probably a lot of my spiritual beliefs really are kind of based in the LDS kind of thought pattern of that, that we're spirit beings. With and more. that we're eternal beings. That yeah. Our, the, yeah. The, the end of our body is not the end of our mm-hmm. existence. But I think it's interesting when you were talking about like the sci-fi or uh, whatever kind of uh, depictions of how it's all right here. I think that that really is true. I've had several experiences since he's passed. I'm like, are we just living in assimilation? Like a parallel universe. Yes. And I'm thinking, how many other parallel universes am I just not consciously aware of right now? And that's fascinating to me, although I don't try to stay there very often. because The human be rab- mind can't handle it. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the rabbit holes are, are deep and wide, and that's not <laughs> a good place for me to go. But I do love spirituality and kind of that intrinsic connection to what is here, but what we often don't see. And so it's fascinating for me, and it's been kind of fun for me kind of to play with it. You know, the other day before I I left on my vacation, I was outside and I said, I haven't seen any dragonflies this year. And just as I said that, a dragonfly flew inside my patio. Like I was turning on my water faucet to feed my plants and it came and flew in front towards the back of my house, which is just an awkward place for a dragonfly to come. And I'm like, wow, that's so crazy that I would say it and manifest it right in that moment. You know, it's so powerful. Which brings me to think about some other things you brought up. You said um, that this relationship is still growing and and that you're still evolving as well and that you've worried about like what that would be on the other side. I've, you know, my husband was concerned of me left to my own accord. John had a way. (laughs) When we got married, my my dad was like, oh, she's your problem now. Mm -hmm. There you go. You take her. (laughs) Oh, she's your problem now. Like, thank goodness. Pass her on. My hands. <laughs> She's a, a handful. Um, but John had a way of loving me enough to uh, let me explore things and, and discover my own boundaries. And lassoing me in, in, in a way that I'm like, okay, I won't take it that far. Yeah. And I think that he was really worried about how far I might take things once he was gone. And in all fairness to him, I I can see now his concern because I he I, might be right. He, yeah, he 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 wasn't wrong. <laughs> we'll just say he wasn't wrong. I, you know, it took me a while. I discovered some dark places about grief, and I don't actually regret any of the things that I right. I did. It's all part of it's the journey. A, it's part of the journey. I learned a great deal from it. I learned darkness about myself. I learned about, you know, being responsible and, 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 you know, use of substances, use of people or um, even dating to avoid. And, and so I've discovered a lot of things and it, it is interesting. I think, gosh, I don't even think if he, I don't know that he could stand me if he was back here, like the person that I've evolved (laughs) to or the things that I've experienced, but would he even like me? But I, I know that. That is actually also not true. He loved me so much, and I can feel that love still to this day. I do wonder about, because I do feel like in some way our marriage is growing as well, and I have not found that I've dated a wide variety of people. I've been very open to dating people that I wouldn't necessarily think is my type or 
you know, I've just gone out to just experience meeting new people. And as I've done that, I've thought, you know, how, if I find that right person, how do I manage to have that connection and relationship and have it grow? Or does that stop? And I think that sometimes that is what is keeping me from hmm. really choosing into a relationship. Interesting. Because I, I don't want to have to give it up. And people tell me all the time, you have to let them go. You have to let them go. And I'm like, do I though? Do yeah. I really? And I think, I think honestly, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't actually need a man. <laughs> um, and, but I want one. Yeah. And then you talked about traditional values. And this goes right into that as wild, as fun, as crazy, as forward, independent, independent yeah. and as forward thinking as I am. I have very traditional ideas about marriage and about what that like monogamy and um, ex- exclusivity and that and, loyalty and, that to each loyalty. Other. and um and I I also I don't need a man to provide for me but I want to find one who wants to hmm. and there's some nuances to that you know yeah um I I have found um that I think that some of the men that I've dated are like one man said to me, well, you don't need me to provide for you. So what's, you don't need me. Hmm, interesting. And I'm thinking, do you really want a woman who just Is needs it just the paycheck? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't need a paycheck. I'm okay. And I've been smart, but, um, I, I want someone to love me in the way that he would still traditionally want to provide and for protect. that person. Here's, yeah. here's what's interesting here because Everyone listening knows how I feel about yes. remarriage, or at least anyone who's ever met me. I, As much as I can say I don't like the idea of remarriage for myself at this point in my life, <laughs> I can also, with, with full I wish disclosure, you could all see this, this is like life. so painful for me to say. Um, her I eyes do, are rolling in her head. <laughs> I do believe that marriage is better than not marriage. I yeah, do believe that do a too. partnership is better than being alone. I, I can be fiercely independent and handle everything I need to handle without some you know, male person carrying me through the dragon's fire. And yet I know there is something beautiful about that partnership. And whether you have traditional values or forward thinking values or whatever you want to call them, I believe men and women are are better when they're together. I believe we as human beings complete each other. Yeah. And so that's where I have kind of the nuance of saying, I hate remarriage, but I think marriage is a beautiful thing. I do too. I think companionship is a beautiful thing. I think that- Do you find yourself watching other couples- and noticing the things that you took for granted. I, I think that's a natural part of it and, and realizing maybe those things didn't matter so much. Or But but I will tell you, Michelle, I'm going to back up because I remember being a newlywed bride. And I think that's when I started to notice some of those things because I spent half my marriage not living with my husband. Yeah. And when he left to boot camp and we were newlywed and I was just devastated and couldn't breathe without him. And then I'd go to work and some other young wife would complain about her husband's socks being on the floor and not in the hamper. I'm like, if only my husband were here to put his socks on the floor, you know. And and so I think I gained that appreciation. Uh I think it's also through the deployments and and separation time of our physical life together that I learned I can handle life without a man by my side. Mm -hmm. Or I'm I'm not helpless and hapless and hopeless but that it's so much better when he's home. You know, I, I can handle what I need to or I can call for help or, or, or get the resources I need. Mm-hmm. I can. 
I'm not the damsel in distress with no backbone anywhere. And yet even with that fierce independence and redheaded nature that came with me mm-hmm. the day I was born, my life was better with a companion by my side. I, I will never not say that. And so that's where I struggle in my head to know that I, I even believe people who have lost a spouse can remarry and, and still continue on. I don't think it's, you know, put John on the shelf and he's never there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would obviously grow and change. But let's say down the road, if I ever do end up crazy enough to follow you into the dating world or, you know, some other some other way I end up remarried, whoever's going to love me is going to have to love the fact that I am largely who I am because of Brent Taylor. Yeah. And these seven children that will forever be mine and Brent's children and and these experiences I have had since losing Brent Taylor are what make Jenny Taylor Jenny Taylor. Yeah. I it, you can't separate that. So I feel like I'm evolving in my yeah. thinking about that. I still don't like it, but that doesn't mean I don't see it from another perspective. Mm-hmm. And I I do think there's beauty in a marriage relationship. I think that companionship is to be desired. Yeah. Whether you're young or old, widowed, divorced, never married in the first place, I do look at that and say a, a good, strong relationship can be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't go get married just to say I'm married because right. I know a lot of – I joke – I'm more happily married than most people I know. So, um, (laughs) you know, and I I say that with a grain of salt, but you and I both know people who are very unhappily married Mm -hmm. because they think any marriage is better than no marriage. I'm not saying that. I do believe in the institution of marriage. And I do believe there is such a beautiful value when men and women come together in a partnership. And I feel, I think part of the reason I don't feel a desire to date or move on to that next step of my life, I still feel very much in a partnership with Brent. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I lost that partnership. I lost the physical companionship, and that is that is a difficult thing to lose. But I'm learning that, that, again, Brent is a part of who I am. And down the road, if someone else comes along, I'm sure it will be Brent convincing me to go ahead and let my mind be open to that because right. he would want me to have that beautiful I think so. companionship. Yeah, I and think that's, so. I know that. I still don't like it, but I right. know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, <clears throat> so on this trip, there's a bunch of single people that went, but also a bunch of couples. One night we got off the van, we were heading into a restaurant for dinner, and one of the husbands had gotten off early and waited by the van door, and we were all piling out of there, and his wife finally gets out of the van, and she just walks past with all of us walking past and I said, Hey, did you see he waited for you? He waited next to and she looked at me and she turned around and looked at him and she walked back over and put his arm her arm around him and he put his arm around her and they gave each other a cute little kiss and they walked into the restaurant together and I thought, you know, it's those little things that sometimes we in a relationship miss or or we don't see or or we kind of take for granted. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to do that. But it's interesting for me that I'm starting to see those things, and I really miss them. Another couple, um, I really got to know this guy a lot better on this trip. I'm just leaving everyone nameless. But um, he he was just singing the praises of his wife. Like, just, oh, she's awesome. She's amazing. She's this. She's that. And, and I just was so tickled by it. I'm like, he's your biggest cheerleader. And when I went home to my my uh, my bungalow that night, I was like, oh, you know, I just, I miss having my cheerleader. Yeah. I miss having that person in my court, you know. 
another guy who's just like so fiercely loyal and just, you know, just loves his wife just madly. You can t- see it. And I just thought, oh, I just miss it. Mm-hmm. I miss it. No, it, it's, it is something to miss. Um, I, I love seeing, you know, I know a lot of people who are widowed get hurt or mm-hmm. irritated by, by couples who are loving and affectionate with each other. I, I love it. I love it. I do I too. love to see that. I love to see, I, I'm grateful that you're appreciating each other while you have each other. I love watching as, as couples care for each other and, and really do become each other's cheerleaders. And I, I will say, and this is maybe a little segue, maybe we can talk about this another day or just quickly today. One thing in my mind is I've become a widow, which of course of the female side of the widowhood and Everyone has connected me to every other widow they have ever met, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that sisterhood. But as as a widowed mother woman, I still enjoy having interactions with men and women mm-hmm. in a very platonic, non, non-intimate right. type of way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that was really challenging for me at the very beginning was I didn't just lose my companion and and that different perspective that he brings to our conversations and, and that male that male viewpoint and things but it's like for a while i was cut off from any male viewpoint at all because mm-hmm. and and again cuz i'm i'm not looking to date and so i'm not saying i'm looking for that necessarily at this time but i love when i can get together with some of my friends who are couples and it's not just me getting together with the wives i like the conversation that comes from both genders i like the the um, the more complete nature I, of I that. I think so too. I miss it and I incredibly. Think we, I think we get widows in general. We kind of get clumped together, which is wonderful. These mm-hmm. beautiful, strong, widowed women and, and so many of them in my life, including you, have made such a difference in my life. And I, I'm grateful for that sisterhood friendship. But um, the I again, it goes back to my philosophy on men and women completing yeah. each other and yeah. complimenting each other. Not just, hey, I think you're great, but we compliment in how we see mm-hmm. the world. So many times through the pandemic and war and everything these past couple of years, I've craved just a conversation with Brent, get his viewpoint on on some of the policies and politics and, and things. So what was really hard was when I lost Brent, it felt like for a time I also lost all of our couple friends or at least the male half of those couple friends. Yeah. I think now we've kind of put that together more to where they're maybe comfortable I, with me. I'll be the third wheel. I don't mind. I, I, I don't mind. I, I have a couple that. friends that occasionally will invite me out to dinner still, you know, that we used to go with John. Yeah, because it used couples. to be a double right. date, and now you're kind of this right. awkward one piece. Yeah. And sometimes I go, and sometimes it feels just awkward because mm-hmm. I'm there with a couple couples, and it's just me, you know. I don't have anyone to bring to the table. Um, but I, I crave that dialogue, and I think that that's why I had so much fun on this vacation, too. I don't know if it was intentional. I I don't think it was at the time, but looking back, just having this conversation, I spent a lot of time with the guys getting to know the men and just having a yeah. conversation with a man and, you In know, not intrusive, non-threatening way. Right, right. Right. It had nothing to do with anything. I mean, they're, they're sure. my friend's husbands, but it was just so nice to hear men's perspective or mm-hmm. even just the way they joke and and yeah. talk to each other. It was just so nice to spend a whole week with that balance of yeah. men, men that were in relationships with these women that I love. And, and it was just so good. And I do, I miss it. I, I think, I think 
having that balance is really important. I don't think I will be as healthy as I could be for the long run if I don't find a partner, which is why I'm putting myself out there. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we know how important it is for children to have healthy male role models Mm -hmm. in their lives if they've lost a father to whatever reason, or even if they have a father in the home, other male role Mm -hmm. models are good. And then female role models are good for children as well. It's no different for us as adults. We, I, again, this comes back to my personal belief system that men and women together are a whole and we, we have things to learn from each other. We have strengths and weaknesses. I, I don't see us as competitive as genders, but rather very complimentary and hopefully collaborative. And so if you're listening and you know a widow or a widower, don't be afraid to interact across genders in a very just just friendship kind of a way. Yeah. In a very just again, not threatening. We're not looking to marry everybody. I mean, Michelle wants to marry everybody. That's fine. Not all <laughs> I of don't us. Want I'm, to just marry everybody. I'm just kidding. Come kidding. on I now. You I know, want to find one special person. Yes, and I hope you find that person. <laughs> I really do. I really do. Um, but in the meantime, as you have not yet found that person, there is something beautiful about having adult relationships in a very non-intimate way with both men and women. Mm-hmm. And I think we yep. need that. And as widows, sometimes we get compartmentalized into that sisterhood, which again is beautiful. But if you're listening and you're a couple and you're going out to dinner, don't be afraid to invite your widow friend to join you or to invite your widow friend and her kids to dinner with your family. And let's interact. We're used to being on our own at this point, right? Yeah. Like it, it, I am such the a first good time third or two, wheel. I know. The first time or two it was awkward, but now it's just like, oh, it's I'm just me. I, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I was never, I mean, I met John when I was 17, married him two weeks out of high school. I know that's a crazy story. I just can't even um, think about that. So I didn't know anything but being with my spouse. I went yeah. from my parents' home to my husband's home. And for how many years? You guys were married a while. 32 years yeah. almost. He, he, well, no, 30, it was actually, it was 31 years that we had been married when he passed away. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think about, too, the other thing, and this is a weird conversation. We need to wrap this up, but really quick, I'll just hit on it. Um, you know what's interesting? And I know I've talked to you th- to this before, but we should say it on air. My husband died when he was 54 years old. And at some point, I'm going to pass him, and he was always older than me. Yeah. But my husband has never aged from the moment he died. And I think about that, I'm like, it's going to be really weird when I'm 86 years old and I'm pining away for my 54-year-old hot husband. <laughs> well, this is why we're going to use Time Hop, right. the little app on Facebook. We're going to take we're going to take a picture of John and Brent and we're going to ageify them to be best friends and in a photo with us. Yep, and I'm already older than Brent will ever be. And that is isn't that weird? That is something. But I you do. You guys were closer in age. John was are. five and a half years older than oh, me. That's so that's a gap. Yeah, and you married him at seventeen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That so bless your mom and dad. Okay. I have two and a half years until I hit that point. But. So here's the takeaways from today, as I see it: the resilience of relationships after death, the resilience of survivors who lose someone in a relationship to death, and I think just the resilience of male and female companionship and friendship. I think there's a lot to be unpacked there. So if you're listening, we hope maybe something we've said resonates with you or yeah. that we made you laugh, if nothing else, because this is... Or this that is you just here. kind of saw an insight to how Jenny and I relate to our losses. Well, and I would encourage everyone listening to open your mind to the fact that those not physically living on earth are closer than we think. Absolutely. And, and that's and why... What, 
are work on developing that relationship. Yes. And, and maybe that's what we should and end on. What there, can there you do? There are actual things that you can yeah. do. You can say to your loved one, show me how you want to speak to me. Is it going to be a feather, a dime, a yeah. penny, a dragonfly, a butterfly? An old journal entry. That's why yeah. I love, you know, looking looking at old letters, whether it's from my husband or my, my great-grandmother I never knew or something. We can, we can connect with the people who make us who we are, whether they're the people who genetically make us who we are or the people who in relationships make us who we are. But I think... We are more and more capable when we are part of that greater whole. Yeah. Because of those dimensions all around us. But yeah. Okay, you guys, we love having you listen. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And whatever you do, remember to be kind. You never know the struggles others are dealing with in their own life. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.